episode 33 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. It is Monday, November 18th. My name is Paul McGinty. With me are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Good to see you all in good spirits tonight. Thank you. I feel in good spirits. feel fantastic. Ian? I am also in good spirits. Tonight we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about the new Star Wars release date. We're going to talk about the proposed Preacher on AMC series, and we're going to spoil the shit out of Thor since we finally all saw it. Sorry, everybody. Maybe we'll try to hit Thor later in that second hour, so those of you that haven't seen it know when to stop listening until you have seen it. And go see it. And then come back and re-listen to the rest of the podcast. But as we like to do on the McFoss comic book podcast... We like to kick things off with housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. We all have turmoil in our lives, things that make us upset, challenges that we face (laughs) every day. Or every Monday, it seems. Have you ever had a rough time at work or in a relationship or maybe ordering pizza provides a lot of stress in your life? You know what can relieve some of that stress? And take you to a very zen-like state. Putting your, the proper phone number on your goddamn pizza website. <laughs> that That's could, what. That could possibly do it. But in lieu of that, McSauce.com can put you into said zen-like state. <laughs> there will be new strips that will magically appear on Tuesdays and Fridays. On Mondays and Thursdays, reviews. And on Wednesday, download your favorite podcast. Head to the comic book shop. Tell your friends about it. They like comic books. They're at the shop. They're dorks. They would enjoy this conversation. So this week, all all of you McSauce listeners, I'm giving you homework. Tell one person about McSauce and help us out a little bit here. You can go to the Facebook page and like us. You can talk to us on said Facebook page or on Twitter. Matt, your Twitter got hacked again, buddy, so you're going to have to... I reset my password today. Um, ask us some questions, give us some feedback. We, we don't get enough feedback. We would really like to hear about what you think about the show. I know this past week we did get a little bit of feedback on our past episode. Uh, a listener said that it felt like we spent more time being negative about each company, DC and Marvel, than talking about the positives about those companies. So maybe we'll try to be a little bit more positive. It's good feedback. It's good to know what kind of things people like and how just how people think about the show. So go ahead and uh, let us know about any of that. And I think then we also have, you know, but surprisingly, <laughs> as I was about surprised. to wrap up <laughs> housekeeping, let's have a little bit more housekeeping. The Oaks Theater. The second helping of housekeeping. You weren't full from the first helping. Here's a second helping. Open up. Our favorite movie theater, the Oaks Theater in Oakmont, PA, has the 16 Days of Christmas. The Christmas Story will be playing on the on the the 22nd of this month, as well as the 23rd at 10 p.m. So those of you who enjoy the Christmas Story, a Christmas Story, go and check it out. And um, Tell us what you think about it. Tell us all about your favorite Christmas antics and 
All that good stuff. I, there, there are no Thanksgiving <clears throat> movies, though. I fucking hate that Christmas has steamrolled over Thanksgiving. It's pushing on Halloween. There, it feels like those holidays are getting pushed completely to the side. I could be wrong, but isn't doesn't Dutch take place over Thanksgiving? You're Does absolutely, it? positively correct. Does it? Are there any other Thanksgiving-themed uh, yes, movies? Yes, quite possibly the funniest movie ever created. Shame on you for not knowing this. I Dutch? I, I don't no, know No, not this. Dutch. I love Dutch. Dutch is a really Dutch good Dutch is movie. good, but it was better the first time they made it when it was called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, that is a Thanksgiving Steve Martin, movie. John Candy. Does it get better than that? Maybe Ed O'Neill. Maybe not. So, Probably in not. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles... Steve Martin was going to pick up John Candy at boarding school and bring him back home to his mom and evil stepdad. Is that the first? Is that the remake you're talking about? Not because I'm pretty sure they're totally different movies, other than a road trip for Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, really, you don't think they're a little more similar than you're giving it credit? Other than a road trip on thank, for Thanksgiving. A uh, uh, road trip uh, filled with, with multiple hijinks and various ways of traveling to get home for said Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And there were both John Hughes movies. I don't know if John Hughes directed Dutch or if he just produced it or wrote it or something. It was probably his first draft of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He's like, yeah. Are there any other movies besides these two 80s classics that center around Thanksgiving? Dutch might have been 1990. Yeah, I don't really? believe Dutch is an 80s classic. I thought it was. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is 1987, I think. And 1991 is for Dutch. 91. <clears throat> yeah. And not only that, but you got to give it up to Steve Martin for being in quite possibly the funniest single scene in, in movie history. <laughs> in cinema history. When he goes to the rent-a-car place after he, after he didn't uh, wasn't able to rent his car because it wasn't there, so he had to like walk all the way back to the rent-a-car place, which was like a horrible trek, and I'm not going to do it any justice. But I don't remember that. That's not my favorite scene. I'll that. plug it in. I'll plug it into the podcast. I'm right. Going, I'm going to have to watch both of these movies again. It's been a very long time, so I'm going to have to update myself on. I'm going to go Dutch. If I, had, if I had to pick one of the two, I'd, I'd go Dutch. I enjoy Dutch more. Dutch is a D- Dutch seems to be a, a little... It's it's less silly at times. I like Ethan Embry and Ed O'Neill a little bit better. You don't like silly? I like planes, trains, and automobiles, but Dutch touches me in a different way. Oh, mm-hmm. like that. In what way? In the good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also Home for the Holidays with, uh, I think, Holly Hunter. I uh, believe a early to mid-90s Thanksgiving classic. Um, of course, there's that brand new animated one uh, called Free Birds, which is about a couple of birds that don't want to become Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. I don't really know. A friend of mine took her three-year-old son to that, thinking that it was going to be a lighthearted kind of animation flick, and she said it was a lot more gruesome and disturbing than the trailers let it to be. It's not a Disney Thanksgiving She was... I think that they go back in time and fight the pilgrims. 
and try to take turkey off the menu is wow. like the catchphrase. We need to just go see this movie. She said it was not really meant for children. Hmm. So that's interesting. I do agree with you, Ian, that I don't like that Christmas has steamrolled Thanksgiving. And we essentially, Thanksgiving is pre-Christmas these days. It's Halloween, pre-Christmas, Christmas. I have friends that have, for weeks now, have had their entire <laughs> houses decorated for Christmas. I sat around in their home yesterday with the Christmas tree on as I was watching that TV. I wanted to burn their house Do down. Do these people listen to the podcast? They probably don't, but it will get back to the. It will get back to Artie Sinclair <laughs> that he needs to take his fucking Christmas tree down. I don't support any Christmas until the day after Thanksgiving, and I think I may have a new least favorite Christmas song, which would For be years. It's been "Wonderful Christmas Time" by Paul McCartney. Oh, I hate that song so bad. Ah, but. Now, I heard it in a commercial today, and I forgot how much I fucking hate it. I, I don't even know what it's called, but it's the one that goes... It's all fucking horns and trumpets. Yeah, that, I don't think there's a whole lot of lyrics. I think it's mostly instrumental, but it's fucking garbage. That ding dong, ding dong from the Paul McCartney song just destroys my soul Paul every Paul McCartney time outdid himself in the garbage department with Wonderful Christmas Time. I don't know. A couple of your personal favorites, Paul, are some of my most loathsome. Police Navi Dog, number yeah, one. Yeah, it's just speaks to my Latin heritage. Horrible. Um, but I got to give it up for Dominic the the Donkey as probably the worst fucking Christmas song. That or that little bitch that sings about the hippopotamus. Yeah, that's bad. Fuck that bitch. To this day, I've never heard Dominic the Donkey. Really? Really? Seriously? 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 All right, we'll check it out, because we're about to play it for you right now. That's horrible animation. Crank that shit, yo. Uh, yeah. We can't, because it's going through the microphone. We can't record this yeah. at the same time. Oh, no. What do you guys think? Um, Pretty good, huh? Yeah, we'll just add All that right. in. Just add that in post. <clears throat> the only acceptable Christmas song, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Only acceptable one ever. And the sad John Lennon one. So this is Christmas. Yeah. Is that yeah that one? Yeah. I'll take that. And Feliz Navidad. I'll even I will even allow that. See, I'll take all the uh, the classic singers like Burl Ives. Yeah, Burl Ives, yeah. Bing Crosby. Like that's Those Christmas, Christmas music. classics to me. Right, that's Christmas music. Yeah. Any any contemporary artist. Like, should have their throat slit when they try to fucking sing a Christmas song. What's frustrating is that uh, Comcast doesn't have those classics on their own Christmas channel. The, the, Chris, the one, you know, they have the, the music channels. Yeah. All those old school, like, 40s, you know, Christmas standards are not on their own channel. And I think that's a travesty. I actually prefer, because the classics have been beaten down to me so badly that I can't listen to them anymore... <clears throat> I prefer some of the contemporary stuff. Sirius XM has the Holly Channel, which is more current artists singing their renditions. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just because it's a different version of the song that I haven't heard a million times. But I'll put Holly on if I have to listen to... I'll put it on in protest. Yeah. So, speaking of Christmas and Christmas songs, in 2015, we're getting a different kind of Christmas present. Kind of a surprise Christmas present. Ski bliss. 
since we really don't know what we're going to expect when Star Wars Episode Seven gets released on, Matt, when is it? December 18, 2015. And are you excited about this, this move? Yeah. Because normally they come out right around my birthday in late May. What, what day is your birthday? My birthday is May 23rd, same as the singer Jewel and Drew Carey. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, normally they come out in May. Um, I Big think, summer blockbusters. Yeah, I think all six of them were May releases. Um, pretty much the same week in May. Like the third week in May, I think. May the fourth? Uh, no, the third Seriously. week? The fourth would be the first week around my birthday. The fourth isn't around my birthday. Well, how come... Please pay attention. No, 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 no. I'm saying, well, when we do the May the 4th be with you, isn't that because that's the release of the original Star Wars? No. No? Why do we do May the 4th? Just Just, because it's Because it sounds so fucking amazing. Uh, (laughs) Louises. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we always associate... Star Wars release with warm weather going to a midnight show. I think we all went to... Did, Paul, did you go to the midnight show for Sith? Yeah. Okay, so you did the last three at midnight. Warm weather, you get to wear a short sleeve shirt or something. You don't have to worry about that, but... Maybe even shorts? Maybe even shorts. And flippies. You can wear your costume. You can wear your costume. Don't have to this make it off-centric. This year, there <laughs> might even be a two-hour delay for the movie because it could be snowing icy roads whatever uh, or this year whenever that is two, two years, years 15 in two years from now but um it, it's kind of interesting because in another sense i've also associated star wars with christmas time in a lot of ways like growing up as a kid that's when you got the mother of your like toys and, and things like that I can remember watching the movies for whatever reason, more around the holidays. And the way that some of these big fantasy epic releases have been coming out since Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, The Hobbit, things like that. um, Keep talking. It almost feels like Star Wars kind of belongs in that holiday not Movie like the bracket. big summer blockbuster action flick anymore. You f- you feel it's more of the niche of sci-fi. Um, yeah, kind you know. of, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Avatar is kind of in there too. I think it can go either way, but uh, I agree that there is a trend going to more of those kind of uh, those type of uh, films coming out in December. Now, what they did um, a week before they announced the release date. Over at Lucasfilm, they went ahead and they fired their their current writer, Michael Arndt. He was the guy that I think George Lucas wanted. Michael Arndt going to be writing this script? Yep. That's why they hired him. Just that way they can fire him and make a horrible pun afterwards. So, they, they got rid of him. And... While all this turmoil was going on, people were starting to wonder, because Disney had said all along, this movie is coming out in 2015, and people were starting to be like, is there enough time to get this thing made? Because they haven't even casted the movie yet. They haven't even started filming. It's not even scheduled to film until spring of 2014. That's really pushing that leaves, the envelope there. That leaves essentially one year if they were going to come out in May, even, let's say, July, as late as July of 2015. So, uh, 
this so apparently the rumor is that Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, who took over for George Lucas, basically reached out to Disney and said, we would like to extend the release date into 2016. Bob Eager, the, or is it Iger? I-G-E-R. Iger said, um, no, we can't do that. You're sticking to 2015. Uh, so it yes. sounds like they kind of made a compromise by pushing it to the very end of 2015. Does it worry you that they still have a solid release date, but almost nothing done at this point? Slightly, yeah, but at the same time, the especially the original Star Wars was made under incredible time constraints and budget restrictions, and, you know, that turned out to be pretty freaking amazing, so... Um, I feel like whenever I do art or design, I tend to do my best work under the gun. Um, usually it's due to procrastination, but things do tend to turn out their best for me. So You don't I, have that time to, you know, overthink <clears throat> stuff. Yeah, exactly. You go with your gut. Exactly. I, you could almost speculate that maybe some of the problems with the prequels was there were three years to make those movies. Was that maybe too much time? Too much thinking about it? Um, maybe. But it seems like they have the right people in place right now. J.J. Uh, Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan are, are teaming up to finish writing this movie. Um, and Lawrence Kasdan was involved with the writing of the some of the original trilogy. Yeah, he, Is that right? Yeah, he, uh, he wrote... The final draft for The Empire Strikes Back, and then I guess he wrote Return of the Jedi's uh, script. So, he is no stranger to Star Wars, so it seems like it's it's in very good hands. It's just a matter of, okay, get it done now, please. Um, I don't I don't want to see this date pushed again. You know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of locked in mentally. I feel like this is... I'm already making plans. I know that I'm going to take off the day, you know, on December 18th. <clears throat> Are you going to take off afterwards to recover and let it wash over you no, and well, go I'll, back and see no, it again? No, no, no. So it'll come out December 18th. That's a Friday. So I'll go to the midnight show. I'm sure we all will. We probably will all go together. I think we probably will. And it'll be a midnight show on the – technically it'll be December 18th, but it'll be at midnight. And – um and then, you know, let's call off work the next day so we can just sleep in because we ain't getting home until, um, what? Three, four. Depends on how long we celebrate, right, really. Right. Or how long we're beating up Paul after he says, I hated it. <laughs> so. Or depending upon if, hey, who knows? We might have to travel, see J.J. Abrams, and thank him in person. You never know how good this movie could be or how bad it could be. Yeah, because the further into this we get with, like, no knowledge of anything, I'm starting to wonder if maybe maybe Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and, and Harrison Ford aren't involved in it. Um, I just don't know yet. I'm, I'm just chomping at the bit for news, and, and this December 18th thing was pretty big, so... It definitely fuels the uh, speculation fire. It feels like the inclusion of <clears throat> Hamill Fisher and uh, Han Solo, if you will, 
Um, it feels like that's an that's something that was carried over from George Lucas, almost <clears throat> a promise that he made to to those say you're going to be involved in this next chapter. Yeah, and with some of the severing of the ties, I think it might be a whole new. I don't know if they have time to rewrite the script entirely, but they they certainly have time to, you know, cut those roles out. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know what it's what it's about. So. Maybe they were going to be in the movie on a very limited basis anyway, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they have huge prominent roles. Um, personally, I, I hope they have prominent roles, but not the main character. I hope that they're kind of that guiding force, like Ben Kenobi was in the original. Yeah, I think that Disney really wants to skew younger, and I, I don't know if it's it's their directive or not, but I, I can see them you know, maybe going in a different direction. I think they'll skew younger. But but keep some of the old the old guard. So I came to a slight <coughs> realization yesterday because Matt brought up the release date and we were talking a little Star Wars and I was talking some Star Wars with a buddy of mine and I don't know how much I like Star Wars outside the original trilogy. Well, I did. I knew that you hate it. I thought, uh, right, I thought I was in support of Star Wars universe, like I'm in support of the DC universe, or the Tolkien universe. The DC universe, that blind faith, that blind religious faith that you have for the DC universe. But, like, I'm I'm not particularly excited about Episode 7. Like, I I think once they announced that... Yeah, we already talked about, uh, the, um... Right. What is it? Polynomics? Yeah, yes, polynomics. Polynomics. So we, we gauged your excitement versus your expectations. But I guess I, guess I kind of surprised myself that I don't... I, I don't think I like Star Wars anymore. I like the original trilogy, but nothing they've done since then has tripped my meter at all. The prequels are... Do you think your tastes have changed? Do you think... The way that it was presented has drastically changed. I think it's I think it's the way it was presented. I, I didn't like the prequels. I wasn't really interested in the Clone Wars cartoon. That's the, prequel era, though. The novels or books. What novels I've, and books that have I've read? read. Uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Like, well, it, it's, come on. The couple, handful of expanded universe comics. Have uh, you read? Have you read Heir to the Empire? No, but I, I have no desire to. I don't, I don't want to. Because I don't the, want to read any The of people that, that have read that, I've not read it, but the word is that that book series is such a, a natural progression of the original trilogy story. It's it's such a perfect sequel. But you that, haven't read it? You're, I have you're not. You're maybe the biggest Star Wars fan that I know. I'm surprised that you haven't read it. Uh... They're going to take your fucking card away and make I'm not a good reader. I'm a, I'm a slow reader. I want to read it one day, but th- there's just so many other things I want to read, you know? Do they have it on audiobook? Yeah, they probably do, yeah. actually. That's a good That might be the way for a good you to idea. do it. Yeah. I always thought all things Star Wars would be a gigantic component of my life. And the more, the older I get, the less, the less it is. Like, the, the original trilogy focuses in, in the, just such a small point anymore that everything that falls outside the the originals, I'm just not all that interested. Even this, the Brian Wood Star Wars book. 
It's fine. It has that cast. It's that era of Star Wars that I would prefer to read or watch over any other. But I'm still not all that dialed into it. I think sometimes we we over-scrutinize or maybe we're just... There's a constant onslaught of information and <clears throat> having to justify how how the universe is and why things were done this way and, and really take a microscope to all these films and all the pieces that go into the films. Maybe that just wears on, on fans. Maybe maybe you just get tired of it and seeing it all the time. Whereas when we were kids and in the early 90s, you know, you, there were only so many Star Wars things that you could have and only so many Star Wars things that you could watch and enjoy so maybe you you cherish those more over seeing a new show on TV every other couple of years and a new movie and a in a new comic book or whatever there wasn't that much stuff to really enjoy back whenever we were kids that's not preventing me from liking comic books or marvel movies they're all over the place these days that hasn't prevented me from liking porno which is now easily acceptable but when we were kids, it wasn't. There's a lot of porno out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of comic book stuff out there now too. There's movie. Your favorite comic book hero is has his own movie, has has his own animated right, series. Right, all it, all of that stuff is at our fingertips now. It's mm-hmm. not just Star Wars. All all of it is. Yeah. But I still love everything else just as much as ever. But at Star Wars, it seems something about the franchise has just taken a turn that it. They haven't done anything that has really gotten me excited since Return of the Jedi. I like that you well, compared your love for porno to your love for Star Wars. I was, I was excited about about Phantom Menace, but then it came out, and then the you know the excitement just slowly died away. So, as far as Episode Seven goes, um, we'll see. It's early; nothing's been released yet. No one's even been cast, and we don't know anything. I'd like more. More announcements with some more substance. I, I want to see some some more casting maneuvers. I want to see maybe some some leaks of some art or some yeah. production. I, I, I mean, so I don't need it. I just want to see it. I'd be excited to see it. I completely agree with you. Uh, if they would just say, yes, Mark Hamill is going to play Luke Skywalker in the movie, now all of a sudden we can speculate with some kind of – have a frame of reference – you know, we can at least figure, okay, well, if Luke's in it, you know, he's going to be training Jedi or whatever. If we don't even know if he's in it, we don't know how many years forward it's going to be. Um, is it five minutes after the Battle of Endor or is it going to be 50 years or 100 years? We yeah, just don't know. And we've been like speculating on it for, at this point, it's been like a year. Yeah. I feel like it should be closer. I mean, two, December 2015 is still so far away. Chloe Moretz will be 18 by the time this movie comes out. At long last. They've got a long way to go. We do, but two years... I mean, we were waiting three years in between these movies um, back when they were making them. And I assume once they get on a roll, we're going to get... Didn't they announce that it's going to be like every two years? So well, yeah, once that, they get on a roll, they'll, they'll start turning well, They have to build the that rele- foundation. Right the ours. release date... Being in December kind of throws things off a little bit because they did say when Disney acquired the Star Wars license that they were going to make a Star Wars movie every year. You were going to have the Episode 7 and then a one-off. 
and then episode eight, and then a one-off, and that would alternate every other year. And uh, if the the one-shot movie that's going to come the year after uh, episode seven, does that mean that all the Star Wars movies are going to be spread out 12 months from one another? Or are the one-shots going to come out in the summertime, and it's like going to be like a, you know... A six slash eighteen month cycle or something like that. I don't know. Are they going to film them at the same time? Well, so, that's I mean, there's another a massive thing. question out there. You have to ask. figure whatever that first movie is going to be that that one off. You got to figure that that has to be under underway under production in some capacity. They have to know what it's going to be at this point. They have to probably be writing it. Um, casting probably wouldn't be all that far off. And I would think, yeah, they'll have to make it simultaneously. It worries me that if they rush this first movie, it's going to have a real bad domino effect on everything else because if they rush this, then they're going to put a rush on the next one that's supposed to follow up. That could be really problematic for the entire Star Wars universe on this you know, limited time frame that they're kind of trying, that they put them, themselves in a box with. Kind of. I mean, unless... Unless we're just freaking out over nothing. Maybe two years is enough time for them to do what they need to do. So why don't we switch up gears here and talk about a proposed rumor. I thought it was fact. I thought it was initially announced until I did some research on it today. And the AMC picking up uh, the Vertigo's Preacher series to be their next big TV show is... Still just a rumor. There's been no official announcement by AMC or anything. Ian, you mentioned this not too long ago, that you thought AMC would pick up the series. Yeah, um, I'm a little I'm a little worried. There's there's part of me that's excited because I do I do really love the pre I I love Preacher. I I love those characters. Um, part of me wants it to be everything that I could possibly wish for. But then the logical side kicks in and says that there's absolutely no way that they can make a true-to-the-series incarnation of that book, a, a, a transfer of that book to the small screen and keep all the sexual perversion, all the religious angles, so all the violence. What you're telling me is that AMC can't show a man fucking a woman made out of meat. Yes, that is what I'm telling you. The Walking Dead's all well and good. Zombies and blood and gore, things of that nature, are fine to show on... They're acceptable to show on network television and on cable. Those things... You you can show a lot of violence and not get in trouble with advertisers, not get get in trouble with special interest groups, because you're, you're killing zombies. They're dead people that you're murdering. But when you get into questions of... You know, faith and <laughs> well, even even something like when when Jesse tells the sheriff to go fuck himself, it has to be it has go to fuck be, yourself because right. it has to be one hundred percent clear that he has to rip his <clears throat> dick off and stick it in his ass. Because I think that's the that's the first time in the book that you really see the extent of the power that Jesse has of what the word can do. That when he tells you to do something. You have to do literally just that. And that's, I mean, 
it's such a That's graphic to way him. to show what he what what kind of power he has. But and anything short of that short sells the entire series, I think. I think so too. It, if I don't think it's going to work on AMC. I think if it goes to AMC, I'll feel I'll feel about it just the way Matt and I feel about The Walking Dead, where it's all fine and good, but it's it's not the show or the comic book. Yeah, that's yeah. It's 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 just not going to be the book. I mean, it's going to have to be preacher light. It's going to have to be. I I don't know how they're going to skip over a lot of the themes, a lot of the the events that happen. That are key to this entire story, especially if they start adding characters. Oh, and, I'll lose and, my you know, mind. Take the if they start like wait the Wait a second! Wait a second! <laughs> Hold on. Maybe, maybe I like Preacher more than I like Walking Dead. Maybe it's closer to my heart than than Walking Dead, which which it is. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. I know I'm being a hypocrite here, <laughs> but I'm man enough to admit when I'm a hypocrite. I know I'm being a hypocrite, but don't you think? <laughs> yes. I like how I had to say nothing. I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know. I know what I'm right. saying. goes against what I've said in the past. <laughs> That's fine. I'm big enough to say. I wish we could have made that point at the time. Like, well, hey, wait. What if they did this in Preacher? You'd be like. <clears throat> no, I wouldn't have said that then. I would have said what I'm saying tonight. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. It, no, it would have cut the, the legs out of my argument a couple of months ago. It's Right. It's a much. Preacher is a much more defined story. There's a start, there's a finish. You go through certain stages, you have to hit each one to get where you're going in the end. Walking Dead's wide open. It's still being written. You can go in all kinds of different places. In The Walking Dead, I feel that you can take a detour in a season, tell a different story here, and then you get back to the prison, or then you get back to the hilltop, or wherever you're going to in the long run. With Preacher, everything's it's dependent upon one another. Each each trade, the events of that trade directly event affect the next thing. There's no time to mess around and, and take a detour, like you just said. And every, you have to do it all in that order, just like it fucking was in the book. And every character does something fucked up in that book. From the two, uh, the two sex detectives, even the guy that Jesse meets when he falls out of the plane, who... Puts a big fuck you in the sand to NASA. Yeah. I mean, everything's everything's dirty. Everything's filthy. Nothing about that show is built for basic cable. It's an HBO. It's a Showtime. It's it's a film series. I even think HBO and Showtime would look at some of that stuff and be like, can we maybe maybe tone this down or, or, or change this but all those things are what makes that book great that's that's the reason why I was drawn to it and why I, I read it every single year I go and back and check it out star with the the gets essentially raped by a guy and then he can't get it up with girls and then they you know they go to that the 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 party what's that guy's name count something or ever i i don't remember his it's name a giant, but I, it's dirty an orgy, orgy with uh child molestation and and um child pornography that's an important part of the story you have to have that included and there's absolutely no way that they're going to be able to do it all right so the uh the the famous person that's attached to this is seth rogan that's right. another troubling 
aspect of this. Seth Rogen, the last comic book related thing he was attached to was the Green Hornet movie. Which I will say this, I think that movie is very very unfairly bashed. I thought it was actually pretty good. It's not exactly the Green Hornet I would want to see. Are you a fan of the Green Hornet source material? No, not really. Like, in theory, yeah, I think it's kind of a cool character, that noir style, and I like that his sidekick is kind of badass. Sort of reminds me of Big Trouble in Little China. But Or the Long Ranger? No, I'll go with Big Trouble in Little China. Or the sidekick's more badass than the lead character? I'm going with Big Trouble in Little China. When have you seen the new Little Ranger? No. Yeah. Nor have I seen Big Trouble in Little China. You've never seen Big Trouble in Little China? Uh Uh-huh. It's been a long time since I saw it. I can't comment. I know Kurt Russell in it. Yeah, he is. And he jumps into a boat in the docks at some point. No, why are you making that up? That never happens. Aren't they beside... Beside a bay or a river or an ocean or something, there's some. Isn't that escape from in the water? Is that escape from New York? Is that what you're thinking? I don't know. There is a sequence in the movie where they're trying to escape the bad guys, and they're on like this wooden plank, and they have to jump into water and swim under a tunnel. But it's like inside a building. It's not out on a dock or on the ocean or anything. It's like a small little area of water. It's like a pool, not even. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. I don't know. Uh, I recommend uh, we do a mix sauce. We have a lot of audio commentary. We have a lot of movies that we have to watch and do audio commentary on. Yeah, I can't say I've ever seen this movie all all the way through. I I may not have even seen pieces of it. Big Trouble in Little China, in my opinion, is the best John Carpenter movie ever made. Not only that, if... If you're a big Vampires fan, too, aren't you? I do like Vampires, and I like Halloween even more than that. But if if we are allowed to lump movie series together at, to represent one film, Big Trouble in Little China is easy in my top ten. That's a bold statement. Yep. We'll have to go back, review. Is Robocop in that top ten? No. Eleven. It's probably in my top twenty-five. So you didn't like, or you you didn't think that uh, Green Hornet should have been bashed as badly as it was bashed? I thought it was entertaining, and I'll tell you this: I saw it in 3D. This was one of the like only times that, that, and uh, it was okay for Avatar, but I particularly liked it for A Christmas Carol, the um, the Jim Carrey animated movie. It was really well done in that rotoscoping movie. What? Isn't, wasn't that the animation yeah, that was scoping yeah. enough? Yeah, so uh, the 3D in that movie was very good, and I thought it was very good in The Green Hornet. And The Green Hornet was entertaining, it was funny, it had good action. I mean, I think what hurt Green Hornet when it came out is that it came out when, it, obviously it came out during the, this golden age boom of superhero movies, but it came out with a lot of movies that were taking themselves as serious superhero movies, and Green Hornet's essentially an action comedy. And that made it different from all those other ones. So I think people were expecting Green Hornet to be along the lines of Daredevil. And then it's an action comedy, so immediately people were like, what the fuck? I don't know why Iron Man 3 hasn't gotten the same reaction, because that was clearly an action comedy. 
Yeah, even I remember even from the trailer that I felt that they were, it looked like they were trying to portray a serious take, and that's not really what it was in the film. And it, it worked okay in the film, but that people were expecting. Maybe even people don't know the Green Hornet. Maybe they thought it was Green Lantern. Who knows what the audience was thinking at that point. The first time I ever even knew the Green Hornet existed, I was probably about 10 years old. And we were, my dad and I were in a hobby shop together, which would be the hobby shop that I would end up working there years later. I, you know what, I had to be younger than 10. And uh, we were shopping for like a model train for like a Christmas tree or whatever. But I remember there was a Green Hornet comic book, and I was so, like, taken with the look of this character, and I thought it was so cool. And if I'm not mistaken, he, he actually did buy me that comic. I, it, I don't consider that my first comic book ever, um, the way I do the Spider-Man one, but um, technically it probably was my first comic book. But I, I thought that the Green Hornet was super cool, even though I knew nothing about him. See, this should come as no surprise to Matt. Or our McSauce listeners. I've had no interest in the Green Hornet whatsoever. I don't know if it's because of the noir type setting. Or if it's because he's just a guy. Or the fact that Cato really gets all the billing. But I've just never been interested. I'd like to watch the movie again. But I don't really... It was fun. Have a, have a need to uh, read the book... Um, I feel the opposite way about the spirit. I'd like to go back and read some of that Will Eisner stuff and really check that out. But I'll do it after I eat delicious pizza. that almost wasn't. <laughs> the pizza places like to make it as difficult as possible to get their product. Ian, pizza count. Four huge slices Whoa. of pizza. Matt. Three. I also had three. I'm fat. What can I say? Ian, show me how the piggies eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ian should go to the Oaks this weekend and watch A Christmas Story and find out how the piggies really eat, because that was the worst fucking impression I've ever heard in my life. I can't do it as good as Randy did it, man. He's a professional piggy. I'm just a lowly podcaster. Mm. It's true. I saw Randy last year. Did you? Another another Matt Casal brush with fame. <laughs> we need music for that. It needs to be like horror music. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't meet him. Saw so oh, him. I was hearing some some big organ stuff like. Bah, bah. Yeah. So Didn't uh, meet him. I just smelled him. <laughs> in Oakmont, uh, every year they do light up night, and you know to kick off the. Christmas season in Oakmont, and last year, to, to coincide with that, the Oaks showed A Christmas Story, which they're going to do again this year. <clears throat> to help celebrate, they managed to get the kid that played Randy in A Christmas Story come in and do a Q&A and present the movie and everything. And, um, nice guy, but I don't understand what he was doing there, as far as he really didn't offer any kind of interesting insight or really have interesting stories because let's face it, that kid was probably six, seven years old tops when that movie was made. How much does he honestly even remember? And that was the one and only movie he was ever in. Really? Yeah. And basically he said, you know, I like to go around and present the movie and just help spread the word. It's like, dude... This movie doesn't need any help. They show it for 24 hours straight every year on TBS. It's fine. Like, He's living off that. that yeah, picture. yeah, and I've seen him at conventions as well. What you year know, did that movie come out? He hit 83. He has quit acting and is now living in San Francisco as a puppeteer. So he's a big Pink Floyd fan. And he, he loves was, to animate. So those he, are the things he that he's was, doing now. He was and his name's Ian, stuff. so look out now. He was nine. When no, he, he wasn't. Out. Yeah. Was he really? Came out in 83. He was born in 74. Unless I did my math wrong, which is Quite absolutely possible. possible. He was nine. <laughs> Didn't look like it. No. He was in the Groundlings whenever he was in his... Uh, whenever he was like 17... And you're saying that you didn't know what he was doing there? Like, he was doing it poorly as well? Um, no, he just didn't have a whole lot to offer. Yeah. You know, like, he did a Q&A and, and being a Christmas story and light up night in Oakmont and everything, people brought their kids out to see the movie and, and he was doing a Q&A, so questions were coming from little kids. Like, you know, a kid would raise his hand and be like, what was your favorite thing about being in a movie? And no kidding, the answer was, my favorite thing about being in a movie was being in a movie. That sounds like a Matt Cassell answer. If I ever heard one, you would answer little kids just like that. No. I would? No, Matt likes Matt likes the big fanfare of explanation. The flourish. Yeah, Matt likes to give... Matt wouldn't just give being in movies... That's it gives, Dickie. <clears throat> it gives something big and robust, something something deep, something long. Ew. If I was There's at a kid's Q- show here. If I was at a QA with Randy from a Christmas story, I would have asked what it was like to act against Tom Drummond 
in different strokes. That's a deep cut. Or Tony Danza in Who's the Boss. He's done stuff. Wait. He was also on Highway to Heaven and Beverly Hills 90210. Tom Drummond? Uh-huh. Who was he? Who was he in a, a Christmas? Dad. In a Christmas story? No, in different strokes. Rand, the kid that played Randy was in an episode of Different Strokes. He was? Yes. Oh. Because... Oh, yeah. Don't. One episode. <clears throat> Alex in 1986. I'm sorry. Philip Drummond. Yeah, but in when he did the Q&A, he said that he had only done a couple commercials and um, Christmas Story was like the only thing he ever did outside of commercials. Oh, he lied to you guys because he also liar. was in Highway to Heaven yeah. and Beverly Hills, not a 210. And yeah. my sister Sam, for those 80s fans, keep him count out there. And he later did Crafty. <clears throat> The TV series. One episode, Kenny the Barkeep. What's his name? Kenny the Barkeep. Mm. The Ian Petrella. Petrella. Fine fucking name. He said that he still to this day keeps in touch with Peter Billingsley, the kid that played Ralphie, who also uh, is kind of a big time movie producer. He produced some some bigger movies you may have heard of. Iron Man, Iron Man 2. Never heard of those movies. Who's in that? Iron Man. Oh. I guess so. He was, um... That the, Ozzy Osbourne song, He right? also produced mm-hmm. Four Christmases, which I think is an underrated movie. He also had an uncredited role in the movie Elf, as one of the head elves. Elves. That is a very good movie as well. You know what? What? I will tell you... As Actor soon as I find it on here, I will tell you a... Um... There is an underrated Christmas movie... Surviving Christmas with Ben Affleck. What's the plot of Surviving Christmas? I don't know. Something about he hates family, doesn't have a family, and has to spend it with this new girl that he met. I think Christine Applegate plays. No, okay, so Tom or uh, James Gandolfini. Ben Affleck is a very wealthy, um, rich dude that doesn't really have a family to celebrate Christmas with. Because they were gunned down in the streets when he was a little kid. <laughs> that, is that is that the plot of this movie? It sounds awesome. That's in the director's cut. But in the theatrical release, he's just a rich dude that wants to enjoy that mm. that classic family Christmas. So he goes out and he finds the perfect family to have that. A lonely, obnoxious young millionaire pays a family to spend Christmas with him. This sounds like a high-quality movie. It's a lot better than you'd think. It's a cool movie. It was it was surprisingly decent. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Morrison from Once Upon a Time is in this. In House. And Star Trek mm-hmm. for like 10 seconds. Right. So. I don't have any uh, underrated or overrated um, Christmas movies. Claymation Christmas. Love the shit out of that. California Raisins and all those guys. Fucking great. Well, I know we, uh... I know we, like, do things out of season on the McSauce podcast. But maybe we can plan something closer to Christmas. Where we talk about Christmas This is just a little taste, a little sip of eggnog for our listeners. (laughs) The kind of hijinks that they're going to experience for... You know, it's a it's a wonderful life Christmas edition. Because Thanksgiving McSauce. on the McSauce podcast is still Thanksgiving. We've already effectively washed <clears throat> out any of the Thanksgiving. Maybe we'll have to 
We'll have to come back and have Thanksgiving dinner. The Thanksgiving podcast. The Thanksgiving McSauce podcast feast. But so for now, we're going to get into something else that starts with TH. Thor, the Dark World. That is not as good as your first segue, but I give you props for the attempt. It was good. It was a good try. Thor the Dark World came out a couple weeks ago. You guys saw it the probably the evening that it came out. I, however, was not able to join you, so... I saw it I Saturday saw, evening, Matt. Saturday evening. Mm. I saw it on a Wednesday. Classic movie day, Wednesday. Had to change it up. Um, Matt, I know that you mentioned last week that you felt it was a little... Uh, predictable? Formulaic, I think, is the way I probably put it. Yeah. Uh, I was disappointed that the, that the villain wasn't all that prominent or threatening. I can agree with that. Um, I'll say before I even get into that, that I really enjoyed the movie. I really liked it. But that was a problem with it. It, it had, it wasn't a perfect movie. When... Your main villain that's threatening the entire, you know, the, the all the realms, the nine realms, can get punked by Rene Russo in a sword. You've got problems there as a bad guy. Yeah, uh, I agree. His his sidekick did a lot of uh, a lot of the heavy lifting, and I, I I that was the main problem was that the bad guy was the main villain wasn't all that threatening. However, there are a lot of things to like about and Thor. He, and he got his powers right at the very end of the movie because he got that, what was the thing he was trying to get? The ether. The ether. Just like how Steven Dorff at the end of Blade 1 got like the, all the special blood from all the like yeah. true blood vampires. It was the exact same thing. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of movies have that where the bad guy powers up at the very end that's so Shred- weak. shredder turns into super shredder at the end of secret of the use good call it, it does happen a lot i can't disagree with you but it did do some things right i thought that the characters were intriguing it was fun to see them back on the silver screen again loki as you mentioned before was a uh, high point of the movie it was what? I wasn't sold on uh, Tom Hiddleston until this movie. Really? Fangirls want his cock. The only cock they want more than Tom Hiddleston is ugly, punk-ass Benedict Cumberbatch. But chicks love Tom Hiddleston. And I... <clears throat> he was good Thor. Good in Avengers, you know? But in The Dark World, he stood out. Every scene he was in, he stole it. He was amazing. I agree. Yep. Yep. All right. It was good. Nice job tonight, guys. (laughs) I thought that there were a lot of... um, It was interesting that they made the choice to not overdo the CG. Now, I know there was a lot of CGI in this movie, but they did take some... There were some moments where they could have had characters be big, gigantic CG monsters. They, They made the choice to go with... A lot of traditional prosthetics and makeup. Um, even in the environments, they went with just some set pieces instead of big, 
flourishing CG environments in every aspect. Sure, Asgard had some some elements of CG to it, but there were some the real... The entire thing was CG. I don't think the entire thing was CG. Well, whenever they There's, showed... There was a lot, I, but, but there was some restraint. Where they could have done... Like the set pieces. Okay, I got you what you're saying. But like when they showed Asgard... Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 that's why I said they didn't forego it. They just had restraint. When they were on the Dark World, that was a real place. They, they made some, some choices where they could have... They, they could have just did it all on the computer. They chose not to. I thought it shined through. Uh, the costume design I thought was really solid. I really liked... Uh, I know that it, it was the same from the Avengers movie and their original Thor, but I like those costumes on, on Loki and Thor better than their comic book counterparts. I think they they look better. Were there changes to their costumes? I feel like Thor's look. There a might have been different. minor ones. Um, I I didn't look at them side by side. I didn't I didn't notice anything. I, for some reason, I felt like Thor looked a little different. Is I noticed he had his hair kind of like pulled back and sort of like in some kind of weird ponytail Because I think thing. it was a different wig this time. Is that a wig? Yeah. He has short hair. Speaking of wigs, in this age of high technology, why can't we get a good wig on someone in the movies? Zach Levi's fandral wig looked so fucking terrible. I couldn't even look at him when he was on screen. It looks so fucking fake. Who? I don't know if it, the guy that played Fandrell, Zach oh, Levi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck, from Chuck. I don't know if it's because I know him as a dark-featured guy, and they tried to pull a Jessica Alba with him, and it just wasn't working. But that wig looked so fucking awful, I couldn't handle it any time it was on screen. I was okay with that. that Bring back Josh now. Dallas. But they can't, because he's on a hit series. Yeah, that's true. I, I like the humor in Thor. Yeah? I, I thought that it, it... You didn't think it was too much? I didn't think it was too much at all. No, just enough banana peels and cream pies? Just your right amount of banana peels and cream pies. I think that you have to have some of that. You are wrong, sir. Okay. Too many banana peels and cream pies. If you take Kat Dennings and the intern out of that movie, I think we've got a good movie. That's the only thing that that holds me back from praising the shit out of this thing. You can you can feel that way. That's your opinion. I thought it was the appropriate amount. There was it didn't an... take itself too seriously, like you know somebody when he's ordering pizza. <laughs> why? Why would he throw his fucking keys in the fucking wormhole that you he's know you don't get shit back from? Because he's a fucking idiot. That's okay. It's funny. They got him back eventually. He's, have you ever met an intern? He's an idiot. Paul, have you ever met an intern? Yeah. They're kind of stupid. They're not that stupid. It was forced They're because they needed stupid. a joke there. And they could have pulled back on a lot of that stuff. Paul. It was fine. That argument's terrible. That's You think that was natural for him to do. I'm going to take our no, car no. keys and throw it in a wormhole that I know we don't get shit back from. That's smart to you. But they did He's get, obviously but, right. But, that, but they did get some of the shit back. It doesn't come back all the time. But I could see Why in the wonderment of the moment some dummy just saying, Oh, what do I got in my pocket? Here? Oh, oh, shit, it's, my, it's the keys to the car. I could see that happen. He's super science nerd who's gotten himself... He's got in a position to work with a couple brilliant scientists on the planet. But he's dumb enough to throw keys in the and faced with, it was, and it faced was a, with a wormhole in front of him, 
It was he, a move for a joke. That's all it was. It, that, they, the only reason they did that was because they wanted to get that joke in there. You guys you disagree? Did. I disagree. Uh, and even if even if so, you can have some jokes in there. You can have some joy in your films. And, and it's there, fine. And there was joy in the films. Like when, when Natalie Portman says to Thor, she's like, oh, you told your dad about me. That, when Thor hangs the hammer on the, the coat that, rack. That was all... Uh, that was all improv, the him hanging it on the on the rack. You can have that funny stuff in there. It doesn't have you know when Chris Evans makes his cameo. It's all it, it all flows. It's all natural. All the Cat Dennings and intern stuff was just blatant comedic relief. Matt, I, I feel like you you have something to say. I think that. Yeah, Kat Denning was definitely in there for comic relief, but it's no different than her character in the first one. I mean, that's what she was there for the first time, and clearly it was successful. That's why they brought her back and had her do the exact same nonsense in the second one. It felt like there I was think, more of it this time. Uh, maybe. I think her character was blown out a little bit more this time. But she you was can in do there that. a little bit more. You can do that in the sequel. Because you're... You're going to have a bigger role for all of the characters if you do it right. Uh, but when you say that it was done just to have a joke, that, that's usually the only time you do do certain things is to have them be a joke. I mean, jokes aren't accidents, usually. Sometimes they are. Not in movies. But... Um, yeah, I had no problem whatsoever with the the intern being stupid and being comic relief. Now you're saying that you take that stuff out, you'd be praising the shit out of this movie. What are some things that you liked, Paul? I thought Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston were magic together. They were they were fantastic. Um, I really liked the design of the Dark Elves. The Dark Elf masks were super creepy. Really cool with those the just the big black eyes. Everything. They're kind of like porcelain doll faces, almost. Yeah, the uh, the kind of space battleish scene where the the elves are chasing them on that skiff, uh-huh. you know, flying through Asgard. That was really well done. Like I was on the, uh-huh. I was excited on the edge of my seat watching that. It felt like original trilogy. That's that's the goal I the have for AJ standard. <laughs> It felt it felt really good watching that stuff. I was I was invested when Heimdall brings down that one ship by himself. Mm-hmm. It was really really well done. <clears throat> there's cool stuff. There's a rumor that, at least I've heard, it mentioned that. Um, what's that actor's name? Idris Elba. I- Idris Elba might be the next James Bond, <clears throat> and I think that's awesome. I think that guy is so fucking cool and British and the two mixed. Like, I can't think of a cooler James Bond, to be honest with you. Probably if he was white. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) We all knew where that was going. (laughs) I haven't heard that rumor. Um, I'm indifferent to the character of James Bond. It, It won't make me watch the movies any more or any less. I haven't even seen Skyfall yet. I keep hearing that Skyfall is so good, but I haven't seen it because I don't give a shit about James Bond. But if Idris Elba is going to be James Bond, I will go see that fucking movie. It might be interesting. I know that the um, 
Uh, Casino Royale was really good. I thought that sucked. Really? Well, the fir- the first part was good, where he was doing parkour. Back when parkour was all the rage in the mid two thousands. What's parkour? Environment fighting. It's envi- it's, it's building running. It it's I think <clears throat> it's technically getting to a place in the shortest amount of time, but that's not what it really is. It's climbing on shit and jumping off things. And. So they had James Bond do that in a in a chase sequence to kick off the movie. But after that, like I could only handle so much poker playing. Yeah. I was like, oh my Not god, a poker player? Me neither. Mm, no, no. I enjoyed it, and uh, I didn't see the sequel, the follow up, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, that one was weird. They were like stealing water in that one, mm. and it didn't seem like no. environmental terrorists never really do it for me. No. And then, uh, but yeah, they say Skyfall is the the best one, the ah, best of the bunch. Personally, I feel that um, Daniel Craig needs to not do any more James Bond and get on making the next um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because that first one was fucking awesome. I, I like that. Good. Are they going to make the trilogy? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't. I ha- haven't heard one way or another. I haven't really been trying to pay attention. But, uh... What you got going on there, buddy? I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Stop, is that me? That is you. <laughs> That's very you. Do you yeah, know the, what the mute button is on your computer? I panicked. I had no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> <clears throat> so, getting back to Thor, I think it was another good installment for the Marvel movies. Pushes these, uh, you know, the Phase 2 movies ahead... And it, I'm excited for Captain America, Winter Soldier. I, I have faith that they're going to do another fine job. Who read movie. The Winter Soldier? I did. Me. I did not. How good is it? Very good. good. Yes. <laughs> it See, I, Ian says it's very good and Paul says it's very good, so I don't know who to believe. It either sucks or it's very good. <laughs> for the record, I'm the one that it could be very good. <laughs> So, uh, it, I'm hearing two different things. <laughs> Matt, did you have a favorite The Dark World moment? Hmm. Probably... I guess maybe the sequence where Thor goes down to talk to Loki in his prison and, and Loki's fucking with him and pretending like he doesn't give a shit that their mom was killed and... Um, Thor says, you know, enough tricks, and then Loki reveals himself, and he's all disheveled, and he had clearly thrown a temper tantrum indicative of not being able to order pizza smoothly. <laughs> I mean, furniture was thrown about, his hair was messy, his he looked like he had sores on his toes. Looks like he probably cut his foot on something that he overturned in his cell. Yeah. Is that what happened to you tonight? A podcasting mic or something of like. <laughs> if I have one more pizza ordering mishap, I will turn this place upside down. <laughs> Loki style. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 I like that scene a lot. It really, it really gave uh, the character of Loki in a way Tom Hiddleston plays more depth than he had, mm-hmm. had already had. Because I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, you know, they... They give you that one clip in the trailer when he says, when do we start? And you can tell he's, he's a little 
little beat up, but that didn't cross my mind at the time. And then when they when they flip it and you see him, and he's just he's just in dire straits in that room. You're like, yep. holy shit, this guy is not doing well. And I like how they set it all up with you know him talking to him and and the mom having the conversation before all that stuff goes down. Yeah, they did a good job of fleshing the character out and making him not so evilable, evil and unlikable. Evable. Not, not so evable. Not so evable. Like lexicon, folks. Evable. He wasn't evable this time out. Yeah, it seemed like his mother was the only good character that that could get to him. That that could get his attention and and somehow relate to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor couldn't do it. Odin couldn't do it. But what was what's her name? Frigga. 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 Mm-hmm. That's a weird one. Well, that's Norse for you. So, uh, the other the other scene you also referenced this, Paul, was kind of that like aerial battle, um, probably two two thirds of the way through. Um, I thought that part was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like the the banter between um, Thor and Loki when they first get on the ship and Thor's piloting it. Yes. Yeah. It really felt like. They really felt like brothers to me through the entire movie. I agree. <clears throat> yeah, it really seemed to work. The only thing that I didn't really like also towards the end is that it was, it, a little, it was a little predictable with the... Whoa, whatever. No, 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 no. Whenever they they kill Loki. And usually, usually I'm not very good. <laughs> usually I'm not very good with following along with this kind of stuff. But even I was able to see right through that. I'll tell I'll tell you what scene what scene kind of tricked me and I feel bad that it kind of did because I would like to be smarter than that. But when they cut Thor's hand off and now they're they're fighting in front of them and before the hand gets cut off, I was like, Alright, this has to be part of the plan. They're fighting blatantly in front of Malekith. This is you know, they they got this and then they cut Thor's hand off. And for a quick second, I was like, oh, my God, how are, how are they going to rectify this? See, that's where I was like, oh, you know, this is a big, this well, is a big pl- joke. Were we talking Ruse. about how the none of these superhero movies have any Empire Strikes Back moments before we saw Thor? It was afterwards. afterwards. And when I'm, when I'm, something about, they, they cut his hand off, and I was like, shit. And... For for the next bit of the sequence, I was like, well, "How are they gonna?" Thor's not gonna have a hand. I was thinking Luke Skywalker and Rick Grimes and all these other characters that lost hands. I was like, "They gonna give him a water and that's hand?" When, in Avengers two, that's when Loki said, "I'm your father," which at the end of the movie lived <clears> up to that billing. I thought if they would have actually killed Loki for a second, I was like, "He's too fucking." Po-. That was what crossed my mind. I was like. That character is too popular for them to kill off in this movie franchise. Mm -hmm. Not that he's the, you know, he's a trickster and he's the... Nothing to do with the actual character. It was all money in the real world. I understand that, but I'm going to be a little less cynical than they just kept him alive for money. Because it really sets up what could be a good Thor 3 where... You know, Thor finds out something's happened to Odin. We don't know where he's at. Yeah. Loki's taking over Asgard. And it sets up that big 
brother against brother finish for the what should be the biggest hurdle for the hero to overcome in a trilogy. Did we feel that Asgard looked different in this movie than it did in the first one? Similarly to how maybe like Hogwarts felt different from two Harry Potter two to it Harry felt, Potter three. It felt brighter to me this time. It felt like I thought Every it time, felt more earthy, though. It felt like shiny metal everywhere last time, where there was more earth tones, rocks, stones. That's this my one. perception as well. But I haven't seen Thor 1 in a while. I felt like every scene in Asgard... Uh, Asgard. Asgard <laughs> was evable. <laughs> I thought every scene in Asgard <laughs> was taking place at, like, at dawn. It felt like the sun was just coming up, everything was bright, everything was fucking shiny. Yeah... I felt like everything was was metal the last time. Maybe it has to do with the last time we only saw, like, the throne room and a lot of the regal places, where this time you're in the dungeon, you're outside in the courtyard. You know, it was just different locales. Once I got further away, when they're flying the the skiffs, you get to see a little more of the lay of the land and the lakes and everything. I wish they would have expanded a little bit of that. I wish you could see more of the Nine Realms. I know that they kind of touched on a few of the different places, but I thought that would have been... I, for me, they could have left Earth far behind and did straight-up fantasy sci-fi movie, and I would, have, I would have liked that even more. I like this movie a lot, but I would have liked that even more. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I agree. I haven't seen Thor 1 in a long time. I'd like to watch it again, but it's... Far as is, far as I can tell from this one, I like this one better than the first one. That's Despite the banana cream, banana peels and cream pies. That you know what I've been going back and forth before I came over here whether I liked the Dark World better than Thor one. I I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. It's it's really close. It's almost equal because there are things in this one that just didn't measure up to the original. But you got the expanded roles of the characters in this one, and you got to see more of them, which I think trumps the first movie. So I, it's a tie for me right now. I'd have to probably see it again. Do we want to talk about some of our dislikes? Yeah, we can. Matt, would you like to kick us off? Well, you were saying that this one was too humorous. Cream pies and banana peels, as you keep putting it. Or maybe it's the other way around. But how is that different than The Avengers? How is that different than Iron Man 3? It wasn't different than Iron Man 3. How's it felt it different the than same. the Avengers? I don't... The Avengers didn't feel as, as comedic to me as Iron Man 3 and Thor 2. Well, certainly Iron Man 3 is, like, all by itself. Yeah, as far yeah, as that's, that's where I have a problem. I, I get that you felt that this was a little comedic, but Iron Man 3 is the Three Stooges <clears throat> of superhero movies. Yeah, Iron, Iron Man 3 was... A clear problem. What? Where I had a problem watching it. I left Iron Man three like, uh, that was all right. I left. I left this movie loving it. Yeah. Like I thought this. I loved a lot about this movie. I thought they could have pulled back on a lot of that stuff. I don't think it was abhorrent. It didn't ruin the movie for me. But they could have pulled back on just a lot of the. I hear you. Blatant. Jokiness. I feel like the Avengers and Thor 2 are very similar in terms of their comedic approach. I think maybe the timing in the Avengers was a little bit tighter, a little better, a little better written, maybe Joss Whedon kind of running the ship. Although I will say Joss Whedon, to me, sometimes gets a little too cute with his dialogue. 
And um, that was probably, that would be my, my gripes with the kind of same comedy in um, Thor 2. And there's even stuff in, in, in Avengers where it didn't necessarily, it didn't ruin the movie for me, but when it happens, it's kind of roll my eyes like, all right, that's cute. Like when I, when Tony Stark points out that one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys is playing Tetris or whatever. Yep. And like that little stuff, I'm like, hmm, ha ha. I'm okay. I don't have a problem with that kind of stuff. I thought that they could have done a little more with a possible love triangle with Sif and um, Jane. They probably could have done anything with Jane Foster in this movie. She was essentially set piece. Oh, I disagree. No? How is she a set piece? Describe Jane Foster in this movie. Pretty, mm-hmm. smart. without saying pretty or a scientist. Mm. Didn't she discover those wormholes? An accident. She found the ether. All Infected an with ether. In that too, she didn't do anything. I mean, she she on accident she finds the ether and then distracted by Thor's handsomeness and then. She's what Thor has to say, but the entire once she gets the ether, then she's just slowly dying the whole time. She's doing less and less and less. I actually have heard this when we came out of the film. Uh, Tracy said that she didn't think that she did anything. I mean, she looked but, pretty when she had those black contacts in, but I mean, she didn't really do anything. She set the stuff up towards the end. Yeah, but by then it was almost too little, too late. I I don't know what she could have done. Um, Besides the romantic angle that I thought was something that they kind of missed on, they kind of talked about, and they just skipped right over it. I heard an interesting theory on a podcast that I listened to where they said Dr. Selvig, they should have merged the characters of Selvig and Jane Foster, and she should have been doing all the stuff that Selvig did. Naturally, they could Like couldn't. running around naked and... Well, even even into after Thor one and into Avengers, like she should have been the one that you know found the Tesseract and got possessed, and that would have made it a lot more personal for Thor. I guess that the I guess there's a scene in Thor where Selvig and Thor are drinking beers, like that would have given Jane Foster's character more depth and more of a reason for Thor to be like, this chick has it going on. She drinks beers. She's a scientist. Badass. <coughs> So this yeah. this movie, they really didn't do anything with her. She felt like Natalie Portman in um, in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I also don't really feel like her and Chris Hemsworth have any chemistry. No, no. I and part of that is his stature. He's such a huge dude, and she's so little. It just doesn't look right together. I almost feel like you got to get somebody like he a little will split her in two. Yeah, like you got to get somebody a little less fragile looking to kind of play alongside him. I was also disappointed with. The one dimensionality of Malekith. Well, yeah. He was one trick pony. Now he was great because, because without him, you don't get to see all that great Thor Loki stuff. He needed a catalyst for those two to be the magic of the movie. But he's just—is he a real Marvel character? Is he a Marvel space person or he was created by Walt Simonson? Okay. He's a Marvel Thor person. Okay, I didn't know that. I was like, uh, I don't think I've ever because. 
I didn't read a lot of Thor in the 80s, 90s. I've only read some of the new stuff, some of the new Jason Aaron and some of the JMS um, Thor books. So I, I'm not familiar with Malekith at all. I'm not either. Uh, I have wanted to get that um, the big, what is it, like an omnibus or whatever for the, the Walt Simonson run. Yeah. And the reason why is because Walt Simonson, if you look at the artwork style, you know, whose art looks very similar. Eric Larson. Yep. It, it is very that, right? No, it, it is very similar. And, and Eric Larson holds that Walt Simonson stuff in really high regard, so it's kind of always kind of interested me. Interested me. So one of these days. What's funny about that is that I think I hate Walt Simonson's artwork. If I'm thinking of if I'm thinking yeah. of the same guy, yeah. I, do you yeah. not like Eric Larson's stuff? Um, I don't like Eric, Eric Larson's current stuff. Take that thing out of your mouth when you talk. I was typing. Um, I'm yeah. surprised that they didn't have I'm not like a big fan of Walt Simonson. I'm surprised stuff. that if they're they're doing some you know Thor space kind of things in a sequel, no Beta Ray Bill, nothing like that. You would think that he would be in there somewhere, maybe in the third one. Yeah, but Beta Ray Bill's like Beta Ray Bill's cosmic stuff. He's space stuff. Like he's not other dimension Norse god Thor stuff. You don't think that it would be something that they can incorporate? You think it's it's too far I out think there? It, I think the only way... I don't know could, much about Beta Ray Bill, only, other than he wears Thor's uniform. The only way you could incorporate that is if you just say one of these nine other realms are horse people. And he's the most worthy from that realm to pick up Thor's hammer. But what are you going to do in the third movie to introduce Beta Ray Bill? Thor has to lose his hammer and lose his power. Well, they cut so his hand off. See, see, right, before he gets the water hand. And he starts treating Jane Foster like like a dick. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill's story's real. Um, he's uh, he's some alien. His planet explodes, and he has the remaining members of his planet on his spaceship. Hmm. Somehow he yeah, they're never going to be able to work that up. thing in there. It's really it's 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 really goofy. But I, I wanted I wanted Malekith to be. A little more. He was kind of like, you blew up my land, now I'm going to destroy the universe. It's kind of like he got mad because he had a hard time ordering pizza. (laughs) Fuck this, I'm finding the ether, everything's going to hell. I'm really upset about next Monday night when the universe gets destroyed because Papa John's can't get their shit together. I'm not ordering tomorrow, next next week, you can do it next week. I'm not doing it. I'll do it, I'll I'll take the blow. So Thor had a couple uh, post-credit scenes. Yep. First post-credit scene was the Guardians of the Galaxy teaser. I Ian, think, your yeah. thoughts? It was fine. It was garbage, sir. It was okay. I didn't have such a problem with it. The internet looked like it had a big problem with it. If that is indicative of what Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be like, I don't want anything to do with it. Now, I'm, I'm intrigued. What was so bad about that three-minute snippet? Three-minute, like 30-second. Whatever. Yeah, 30-second. What, so, what was so bad that everybody is upset about this? Because I failed to see it. I didn't like Benicio Del Toro's over-the-top acting. Oh I thought he was... Come on, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> well, How, why don't you I, tell us what you think? It was fine. 
It wasn't. Okay. It was too goofy. It was too fucking weird. But I isn't he supposed it. to be like a weird space collector? He is. I didn't. It doesn't. I don't care. I don't care if that's how he was directed or if that's how he designed okay, so it. So he needs Whatever to be more was, like. I didn't. I didn't like it. How would you have had him right. do it? Then? I'd have had him been a little more chill and not so fucking goofy. It looked he like some goofy. Weird. He was just sci-fi. Weird. Yeah, it is. It it's a weird talking sci-fi movie, man. Talking it raccoon. Like, it looked like sci-fi channel movie, not big Marvel, Disney theatrical release. It looked like something that sci-fi is going to show at 3 p.m. on a Saturday. It looked fucking bad. So it was more of the set and the makeup it that was, he had a problem with. It was or what I also I, I think what I'm so glad that I don't really care about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think what made it more of a problem for me was that Volstagg and Sip looked so out of place in that environment. Like it was just kind of jarring going from I can go with going that. from with that. Asgard and uh, Svartalheim and Earth, which are fully realized Svartalheim. worlds. And then you're thrown on this crazy alien spaceship, but then you have two Norse gods in this strange environment. It was just really jarring going from one to the other for me. I was okay. You loved it. You thought it was great. You can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy. No, but I... My night wasn't ruined after I saw it, let's put it that way. My night wasn't ruined either. I just didn't like it. Your night is still ruined. It was, it was perfectly fine. I didn't, I didn't know who the, um, what's his name again? Benicio del Toro. Benicio del Toro. I didn't even know what character he was representing. I just understood they were talking about the Infinity Gems, and as soon as they said that, like, I stood right up. Well, okay, I didn't stand up, but I sat right up. Your and pants I stood right up. Yeah, and. I couldn't have been more excited because they were slowly progressing toward my all-time favorite cosmic story in comic books, the Infinity Gauntlet. Saw Thanos before, now we're getting the Infinity Gems. But it's don't happening. you think that they should be gems and not just liquid? You know, shouldn't there we be We can't a do gems because the current movie-going audience won't understand gems? stones. Things have to be different things. Like a square box... Whatever they brought to the collector, the Loki Pokey stick. People don't understand gems. I didn't like that, that they all of a sudden started calling them gems. This is the first that I've heard of gems in the Marvel movies. Maybe if they would have called referred to them as gems at some other point. Because they're not calling them gems in the Marvel movies. They're, but they did there. Gems in the but, but they did there though. Right yeah. there, they're like, oh the infinity gems. Didn't they? I think they did. They did. They totally yeah. did. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, what's the problem? I just think it's weird that all of a sudden now for the sake of getting the Infinity Gauntlet together, which is cool and I like that, but I wish at some other point during these movies we could have hinted that they were the Infinity Gems, that the Tesseract was a part of it. It's, you know, it's the reality gem or whatever it is. Which which ones are they? So I don't the, know. Is the Cosmic Cube being cheated now because now the Tesseract isn't the Cosmic Cube? Now it's one of the Infinity Gems? Yeah, I think so. They're kind of having their cosmic cake and eating it, too. <laughs> Sounds like a nice little party. Cosmic cake. One slice? Mm-hmm. It's going to change reality. Are you sure? Clearly, the Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be a, a movie unlike any of the Marvel movies to this point. Boo! It's, it's going to... 
really, I think, test audiences kind of expectations. They're not ready for this. They might get ready fast once they see previews and everything and, you know, the marketing convinces them they need to see it. But they don't know what the fuck they're getting into. I think this Thor is, is a good way to prep the audience. Yeah, it's Thor kind of has a lot of the elements. It's a good bridge. Yeah. But this is going to be out there, man. Like, because I don't... The Green Lantern was a cosmic character, and they kind of retained a lot of the earthly elements of Green Lantern while still exploring the space aspects of the character, even though it wasn't that good. I think they still managed to keep it kind of um, accessible to, to like mainstream audiences. I don't know how the fuck they're going to do that with, with Guardians. Guardians is just going to be like, you're either coming along for this ride or... You're not. It's going to have to be the hard sci-fi sell. Yeah. And I like that. I like that they're going to have that approach. If you think this looks like a Saturday afternoon uh, shitty sci-fi movie, then tough titties for you. What made me feel better about that extra scene is I heard today that they filmed that in 10 hours. You know what made me feel better about that extra scene? And it was a different director, too. It wasn't the main director. It was James Gunn. It was the Guardians guy. You know what made me feel better about that scene? Was how terrible the second after the credit sequence (laughs) was in Thor. Like, that one actually pissed me off. Because it's like I waited through the entire series of credits for them to show these two fucking characters hug or kiss or whatever the fuck they did. That was annoying. Like, I wanted something to happen. And instead, you just get, like, a little tender moment. Like, shouldn't that have been the real ending of the movie? And then you get a little, like, either a funny thing. We also got Space Dog chasing birds. Oh, that's right. When was that? Right after the hug. Kiss thing. Oh, it was? Okay. Uh It feels like they're getting, after Avengers, they're just getting lazy with these after credits. Oh, who who was the director on this movie? What's his name? I don't know. Alan Taylor? Alan Taylor. Well, he said that um, the reason that was tacked on at the end was because they wanted to... They couldn't couldn't show Loki on the throne at the end and then cut back and have the Thor and Natalie Portman scene be the end. Like, they, they thought the Loki... On the throne should be the emotional was the explanation that movie. Yeah, then that should have just been the end of the movie because <laughs> they still at the end went back to Thor and Natalie Portman hugging. Well, I thought I like I thought he should have come back when they were all sitting around eating cereal. Right. Then, like I expected him to like walk out, walk out of the shower just with the towel on. Oh, you wish. We only got half-naked Chris Hemsworth once. But I expected him to come back then. But if he didn't, then, you know, they couldn't have the mm-hmm. Thor and Loki, Loki scene. So now that, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy teaser, like, gave me more questions than anything else. Because who sent Volstagg and Thor to split up those Infinity Gems? Are they doing it behind Loki's back? Did Loki send them to do that? Did Odin do it before Loki killed him? I, him? I would imagine these are answers you'll get. Where's Odin? Is he dead? 
Is he in the dungeon? I would imagine these are answers you'll get. My assumption is Odin is alive if Anthony Hopkins does not die. By the time they make another one, if he does die, then yeah, Odin died. I agree. Feel good about that. So now are you um, are you still excited about Guardians of the Galaxy? Or are you... I've never been excited about Guardians of the Galaxy. What no. are your expectations on a 10-point scale? On a, yeah. Um, I, I like, expect a 7. And what are what is your excitement level? 5. That's very even. That's very even. And on the polynomic scale, that, that comes out to a... It's a 6. It's an co- average of that, 6. That comes out to a B. Because I know it's going to be... The Bendis Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not going to be the Abnett Landing Guardians of the Galaxy that I want. I know it's going to be. What's the massive difference now? Guardians of the Yeah. What is the big difference? Having read both of them, does it one have like blonde hair and the other one have dark hair? Uh, one's Bendis, so it's Bendis. It sounds like Bendis. It reads like a Bendis book. It reads like Iron Man three, and the Abnett Landing stuff was a really good sci-fi book. Nothing wrong with Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy. I like it. Same characters? No, different characters. The core of the team is the same, Uh but they're they're all written a little bit differently. It's like how Superman's slightly different in in the new 52. Yeah. Well, now, like, Gamora is... Gamora's a little more of a... She's just a little more bitchy, like, in the old... The Abnett Landing run, mm-hmm. she was a badass. She was like Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You just knew not not to fuck with her. But this one, she's kind of kind of a cunt. Rocket Raccoon is just unfucking bearable. He is clearly the comedic relief mm. of this book, and it's not it's not working. Like it was when he Ab- wasn't like that in the first one because <clears throat> that's how I read him in the first trade, the Abnett Landing trade. I couldn't stand. Anytime he was on the page. The Bendis Rocket Raccoon, to me, feels like all every piece of dialogue he has is a zinger. Where he was just more of a cast member for, for Abnett Landing. He had serious conversations with everyone. He was just more involved. This time, every time he's saying something, it's just a zinger. Like, yeah. He was in uh, Nova as well. Those books crossed over, so... yeah. It wasn't in Nova, but... It wasn't? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was. No, it was in Guardians the whole time. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, uh... So, what do, we, what do we give Thor if we're going to grade Thor 2? Oh, what kind of scale are we doing? Numbers or Oh, I don't grades? know. We seem to go with numbers around mm-hmm. here. Yeah, we go... I give it a... I'll give it a 9. Wow! Uh-huh. I liked it a lot. Liked it a lot. So, what Marvel movie of yours gets a 10? Mm, I don't think any Marvel movie gets a 10. So this is the best Marvel movie you've ever seen? I'd say it's, it's, it's on the level with my favorite Marvel movie. My other favorite Marvel movie, which ironically was Thor. Thor 1. Yeah. I liked Avengers a lot. Probably also a 9, maybe 9-5. These movies can be on the same level. Oh, so there's a point, like a... Point five. You can scale. put points in there. Could you go point like you can't six? do? You can't. No, <laughs> you can do point five, but you can't do like point two five. You can't do. You can't break it up like that. Point five. 
Okay, so I can't go like 9.6. Well, you can. I just don't. Well, I think we should all be on the same scale. Would you like to do that? No. Okay, then let's not. Let's we'll just go with point five, every point five. That's the scale. Paul, what do you give Thor to? I'm gonna get. I'll give it an eight. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm not willing to give it a nine. So I don't. I different don't know strokes for, for different folks. That's what they're for. Like if Empire Strikes Back is a ten, I like. I, I don't even know if I'm comfortable giving Thor two an eight, maybe a seven point five. I mean, like I, I liked it a lot, but. I came away with stuff that I was just kind of bummed about. Nothing bummed me out or bothered me all that bad. Ian Sharkley, champion of one-note characters. What can I say? I like things like myself. <laughs> Matt, your uh, Thor 2 rating? I'd give it a 7. Fair. Yeah. Uh, things I like, things maybe not so much, but... What would you give Thor 1? I want to see it again, but based on my recollection, a seven. I think that we can all agree what's important is that we all liked it. Did we all have a good time, and would we all go back and see it again? Yes. 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 Um, Like, just to put a frame of reference to this, Spider-Man 1, I'd give it a ten. You are insane, sir. That movie. That's one that we're going to have to watch (laughs) together. After Big Trouble in Little China. We're not watching that movie together, dude. <laughs> Spider-Man 1 is not is not a bad movie. It's a good movie. Goddamn right it's a good movie. It's not a 10. Green Goblin alone. You know what? You're not Knocks it down to at least an 8. Yeah. I, He's really bad. You know what? You know Maybe what? I'm being too harsh by, no, you know by not even agreeing that it's a good movie, but Actually, I'm yeah. going to have to see it again. The, the villain, the look of the villain and probably does knock that down at least a half a point. Like, so. 10 should be a flawless movie. Is there a flawless do, movie? Do, do we think that Empire X2 Strikes... really good. Empire Strikes Back is I want to see that again, by the way. Empire, or X2. X2 is what a great dumb movie. title. Why is it called X2? Why could they not just call it X-Men 2? Well, it was even worse because it was <clears throat> its official title was X2 X-Men United, which is even oh, yeah. fucking dumber. X2 is acceptable. In comparison to <laughs> X2, X-Men United. <clears throat> Neither is acceptable. I need to sit down and watch Spider-Man 2 again. Because that's, that's another one that's, that I would... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I would flirt with ten, the 10 with. It's a great, great movie. We'll have I'd, to have... Uh, I'd probably give Episode 1 and... Ep- or Episode 4, Star Wars, A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back. Those would get 10s. I'd probably give Jedi a nine, or a nine point five. I can agree. I can agree with that. But anyway, I think it is time for the triumphant return of the fan favorite segment on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Ian, what you been reading? It's a good question, Paul. What you been reading, buddy? I borrowed Ian's Batman One Hundred. Written and drawn by Paul Pope, who draws the ugliest fucking people I have seen in my life. When Ian came over tonight, I had to fight myself not to beat him with this book. 
Because it's so bad. Did I force it down your throat, or did you ask for... Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened before I got here? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I should probably beat Kyle Higgins with it. You... Because he hyped this book up so much. Which made me buy it, which in turn... You, I told you I had it. You asked to borrow it. I gave it to you. Where did you get this? Did you buy this at the comic book convention? Amazon. Or Amazon. It's kind of the same thing. It takes it takes place it takes place in the future. Uh, Detective Gordon is Jim Gordon's great grandson. Yes. Um, this guy right here is yeah Jim Gordon's great grandson. Not grandson. Great is it? Great great grandson. A Robin is in it. Uh, the Batman. I can't even call him. I think they call him Bruce in there, but it's clearly not Bruce Wayne because it takes place a hundred years in the future. But they go back in the story into the Gotham PD archives and show that. There has been a Batman in Gotham since 1939, and they kind of take you through a little bit of the history of the different decades. You know, they show you... At one time, he was wacky and had this kid side And the 60s stuff with the bright Robin and everything, and they show you that that stuff existed. But the the future's so so weird. There's no superheroes. Government's taken over. Uh, The, like, FBI police run everything now, but... All of the soldiers wear football jerseys, and they all have numbers up, and they're called the Wolves, and it's super fucking weird. So weird, and I... And Paul does not like weird. It's, it's out there. Paul doesn't do weird. The art kind of reminds me of, like, <clears throat> Eon Flux, like that The cartoon. art is yeah. hideous. <laughs> Actually, hideous. I don't think the art is hideous. I mean, they're not. They're not going to win any. They're not pretty. Uh, they're not pretty people. Yeah, they're not going to win any beauty pageants. But I mean, I mean, I, I understand why it would win awards and why people think would that like girl's it. Girl's ugly. She's very pretty. There's a button there that's really nice, but for the most part, everyone's just so hideous. Hmm. Uh, I didn't find any of the characters particularly likable. You know, Detective Gordon was alright. Um, it's a really kind of goofy futuristic out there book. I was not a fan. That's what I've been reading. So. Do not recommend Batman 100. But Matt, you should probably read it because you'll be like, this is awesome. You should. You can go ahead and borrow it if you would like. What, actually, now that I just heard that incredible review, I, how could I not read this? And I say that with, like, seriousness. No, no. Ian, what you been reading? I've been reading Amazing X-Men number one. Yay! By Jason Aaron. And Another Eddie X-Men McGinnis. title with, with an original title. <laughs> I, know. I love it. I think I talked about it a little bit last uh, hey, don't, podcast. Hey, don't turn that cover page too hard. You'll rip it right off. Right yeah, yeah, this is, I mean, ooh, it's so flimsy. I all, It made me throw up whenever I touched it. I was like, how can they possibly expect me to read this? Who, who writes that book? Jason Aaron and Marvel Wonderkin Jason Aaron he writes a lot of books and he does the heavy lifting of good book writing at the House of Ideas and McGinnis is the artist on this book Uh, I think you two both like his work from Superman and Batman is that right 
I do. I also like his work from Nova when they launched it, even though he only lasted uh, like four or five issues before they got someone else. Back in in when Wizard Magazine was around, they did an article where they took classic 80s properties and they were talking about who should draw what and what what would be good creative teams on these books. And this is before they relaunched G.I. Joe. and So we're talking probably nearly 15 years ago because G.I. Joe oh relaunched God. like was 11 or really 12 years 15? ago. I know you're right, but was it really 15 so, years ago? So uh, they had J. Scott Campbell should be the artist on G.I. Joe, which coincidentally he did the cover for G.I. Joe number one when Image Comics relaunched it. But I think he did all the covers for the miniseries. Did he? Yeah. Okay. They're awesome. Looking. So uh, they talked about Masters of the Universe. Who should draw that? They had Ed McGinnis. And, and they actually got these artists to draw like a pinup of what their representation of it would look like. And if I recall, it was like a kind of a profile of He-Man facing Skeletor. Like they're facing one another fighting. And it was really fucking cool. And they just liked how McGinnis would bring, like, muscles on top of muscles for a character like He-Man and all those kind of characters. And ever since then, even though he's never drawn He-Man, that to me is the He-Man artist. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt and No, 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 it's tangent. no problem. I normally don't like Ed McGinnis all that much, but I really thought he was good here. The story's about uh, bringing back classic Nightcrawler who died several years ago in the X-Men universe and... This book is a way to bring him back. It um, he's the book opens with him sitting up in heaven, staring down, kind of wishing that he was back, swashbuckling on Earth with his ex buddies. And the rest of the story has um, it, it, some marauders from I, I guess hell come and uh, start tearing some shit up in paradise back on Earth. We introduce uh, Firestar to the X-Men team, and uh, they they transport themselves to heaven somehow, and that's where That's the, a great picture of Beast, by the way. I think that... Yeah, that's Beast. That's the new version of Beast. I think that that's really good art, just that expression on his face and the coloring and everything. It's, it's, a, re- it's a really well-penciled issue. When you issue. say that's the new Beast, is that the one that they brought from the past or the one from the future? He had a... Or like, is this current Beast? This, this is like a fourth mutation of Beast that happened uh, probably last year. But this is our timeline This beast. is our timeline Beast who mutated again... Another, it, I think it's uh, he has some gorilla genes in him now, and it changes the way that he's looking now. Um, I liked it when he was going more cat. Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> of course. Would you rather him go more gorilla? That's what I mean. I, I would prefer cat over gorilla. What was he in the nineties? He was just he was blue. blue Wolverine in the nineties. Yeah, blue Wolverine. That's my yeah. beast. I'd be okay with that. Although seeing this, I don't, I don't mind this. I guess is a little more gorilla-like then. Yeah. I prefer that over the cat. The, 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 he looked more like a bear to me, actually. Like kind of a blue teddy bear. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. So, I don't understand why, they're, um, why they feel the need to have another X title. <laughs> My wallet is really getting punched in its wallet nuts <laughs> by all this stuff. 
I don't know why they couldn't have just folded this Nightcrawler story into something I was already buying. But um, I'm at, I'm on board for at least the first arc to see how it all goes. And uh, I, I would recommend I would recommend Amazing X Men number one to how, those who are at the shop on Wednesday. How did it compare to the other new X Men titles like All New X Men, X Men, Wolverine and the X Men? <laughs> <laughs> X-Men, but the, really they're ladies. Uh, I liked it as much as X-Men. Did you like it as much as Uncanny Wolverine and the Mighty X-Men? <laughs> and the Incredible Mutants. <laughs> they really, Marvel really needs to hire somebody for these titles. It's getting ridiculous now. Right. I feel like it's this mutant was out here. <laughs> Amazing X-Men, seriously, was a big fuck you right at me. (laughs) So, despite the city naming structure, I would recommend Amazing X-Men. I'm pretty excited about Friendly Neighborhood Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) The Spectacular Defenders. (laughs) Matt, what have you been reading? I've been reading a couple things. I've been reading a book... uh, put out by Image Comics called Three. Uh, There's been two issues of it so far, and the only reason why I got it is because it is drawn by the absolutely incredible artist Ryan Kelly. I've never actually seen him draw better than he has been on this particular book after two issues. The unfortunate thing is I do not need a fucking history lesson in Greek ancient Greek history. I'm just not interested. It, The first issue and half of the second issue is trying to tell a story. By the second half of the second issue, they are so uh, deep into, into explaining the history of, of Sparta and basically they're trying to... The writer actually is trying to, I think, clarify what the the story, the comic book and movie Three Hundred did for Sparta and, and Three Hundred took some liberties. Yeah, exactly. And and basically, the Spartans were not the nicest dudes out there. Like apparently, they would basically hunt slaves for fun and kill them, like as almost sport, and they would. They just weren't these these classic do gooders that they're kind of portrayed as in the um, in the movie. And is this the same Ryan Kelly that was on a few issues of Star Wars? Yeah, do you recognize the art style? Um, no, not really. Uh, Ryan Kelly, I think, is um, one of the most underrated artists in comic books, and he is. Definitely. I know that I'm making all kinds of fucking lists tonight, top 25 movies and shit, but this dude belongs easily in my top 10 favorite artists currently, if not my top 5. He's good. I just I just don't think he... Well, he, I don't know if he can or not, but he didn't on Star Wars draw the characters like the actors. But neither does Carlos Danda, so... Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh... 
I will keep getting this book, even though by the end of that second issue, I was pretty bored. Um, basically, the, the story f- focuses on the, um, I don't even know how to say it, the Helots, H-E-L-O-T-S, which are basically the, um, the peasants of Sparta, from what I can gather. And um, they were the, the people that would be hunted and tormented and enslaved by the Spartans. And there's a group of three of them that sort of... Venus in this book. ...that revolt against the Spartans, and they basically kill some high-ranking people uh, as they're being kind of um, smacked around and everything. They, they just wouldn't put up with it. So now they're on the run, and I don't know what's going to happen, but... Uh, I'm I'm vaguely interested, but at the same time, this book is so much like trying to be factually correct that it's kind of annoying. Yeah. So, I've been reading that, uh, and the other thing that I feel uh, deserves a little bit of an honorable mention here is one of my favorite book series, um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. The, the new book, Hard Luck, came out a couple weeks ago. And, um, it's a, it's a book series for kids, actually, um, that is kind of told in diary format with, like, these kind of, like, stick figure drawings that represent, like, each passage that's written in the book. Um, Do you feel a special connection to the main character, Matt? Why would I feel a special connection to the main character? just asking. Yes, I do. Uh... My mom actually bought me the first book in the series for Christmas, like, the year that it came out. And she was telling me that somebody at her work had, had read it, and, it like, they were laughing their ass off, and my mom really thought I would like it. So she got it for me, and I, I can remember, like, that night, Christmas night, I was laying there on the couch at, at my parents' house, and I was just reading it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, so fucking funny. And not only that... This kid is exactly me when I was in middle school. <laughs> and so, like, I completely related to it. And, uh, and what, what is that, book eight or something? And since then, I've been kind of kind of hooked. And um, I can't possibly recommend that book series enough. I know it's kind of written for kids, but I feel like... There might be too much humor enjoying this for Mr. McGinty over there. But I feel like, especially if you're, if you're a boy, um, or a guy that, um, was a little bit maybe nerdy or unpopular in middle school, you'll be able to relate immensely to, uh, to this character. Um, but they did make a movie, actually they made two or three movies, which were, I only saw the first one, but it was really bad. Yeah. And, uh, so, I don't recommend that. I recommend the books. Very good. Very funny. Laugh out loud funny often. That's supposed to be funny. I don't think Thor was supposed to be funny. Fair. I've never read one of those. I, I, I'd say, I'd imagine, I'd like it, but Matt and I have been so polar opposites for the last couple weeks that you I'm not are. sure... You guys are budding rams more, right in front of my own so, eyes. More so than usual, I think. <laughs> no. I'm happy because I feel like I get to sit back and not instigate yeah, anything. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> whose side know. you're on. <laughs> I'm being quiet. 
I think that 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 could be it. Thought it'd do it for us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we really appreciate your fandom. What is the homework assignment again? Oh shit! I forgot already. Oh, tell tell a friend <laughs> about McSauce. That is your homework assignment. Everybody. We will be checking in with all of you. We know you, all of you personally, <laughs> so don't think that you can escape us. Thanks for listening. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell, enjoy your comics. <laughs>